Ben Shapiro here with a man I have tremendous respect for, my good friend, Attorney Barack Lurie. Barack, you've been practicing law for over 24 years. Do you have some important advice about lawsuits? Well, Ben, the law deals with conflict, right? A good attorney should help ease a lot of your anxieties because he should have perspective and know how to gather his evidence. But his main mission should always be to pursue the path toward quick resolution or settlement. Well, how do you do that? Simply by working to remove the emotion from both sides. Once you gather information and think rationally and compare strengths and weaknesses in a case, you can work on what's fair. The truly great lawyers know how to do that and quickly. You can see, folks, why I so admire Barack Lurie and all the work that he does. For all your business and real estate legal issues, call my friend Barack at 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie & Seltzer. Listen to The Barack Lurie Show, Sundays at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brucklery Podcast. With me always is uh, my friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. We have a very interesting trio of topics. And it may be, what's the four? You wouldn't say trio. Quartet. A quartet. There as you go. Vivaldi. Yes, yes, yes. A quartet of stories, perhaps. But they're very similar in nature, and I'll, I'll try to suggest why I think so. Before I do that, though, on my Sunday show, I presented a... State of the Union address that I would have given had I been the president. Now, a lot of people, I'm sure, this have done this. A lot of commentators have, have done this. But the thing I would have done that I think is very noticeably different and why so many people have actually asked for copies of this State of the Union address that I have given, it's because I think it's powerful, but because it's short and it has a sense of urgency to it. Right? It does, and, and it respects the listener. In other words, you know what you're doing, unlike the guy who gave the other Okay. <laughs> Perhaps what, so. That was my take. Oh, this guy, this right. guy's good. <laughs> now, Obama would never have given the State of the Union speech, but uh, it's a, it, I, I made it a speech that he could have given, meaning that I, I, I let him, I gave him an out, like to, to admit where he went wrong and to move forward. And and in other words, make him look like a good guy at the same time. This is what Obama could have said. He never will, but there it is. And obviously the, the main focus was, look, we, we've, as much as we would like to think that there's not a problem in radical Islam, there is a problem with radical Islam. And that's where we need to direct our attention. And we will galvanize our forces accordingly. This is war. And the reality is we are at war with this thing called radical Islam. And they're everywhere. And we not only have to increase our forces abroad, but we also have to actually have forces here within our own country. And then I also went to the economy and talked about how uh, we, we must learn from our mistakes. I presented that idea as a mistake vis-a-vis uh, -vis Cuba. And by golly, we need to apply this to other things, such as the way we view the economy and what makes the economy tick and what works in the economy. And if you can't do that, then why are you president? So I hereby proclaim that we are going to start minimizing government. And I call for the following government agencies to start uh, dismantling. 
and I expect it to be dismantled within a year and a half. And then I'll come back to you in the next day of the unit address with another five departments that need to be, uh, need to be uh, taken down as well. That's, that's the way we would focus it. And, um, and I said, and that's it. The time is now. We must move forward. Thank you. Right? And you, you could almost hear the thunderous applause, even though it was you know, on the air and I couldn't uh, see the people doing it, of course. But you can almost feel it. And it was a, it was a nice moment. And everyone in the studio, maybe that's the reason why, um, just kind of took a pause. And they all turned around. They were, whatever they were doing, they stopped because they were listening to that State of the Union address. And they, they applauded. It was, it was a nice, my, nice n never mind that nobody could hear it because it was, they're, they're all outside of the, uh, it's, it's off mic for them. They weren't in the, the studio with me. But it was a, it was a nice moment, I, I got to say. And it's not because I'm brilliant or anything. It's, it's just because it's so obvious. Um, I mean, it's obvious in the sense, we always talk about things being obvious in the sense of if you, if you throw a rock over a cliff and you predict that it will go down, right? That's not a great prediction. But those are the kind of predictions that you and I are making, Ari, that, that we, we have to make. It's, it's too predictable, right? It, we, we're saying that Europe, for example, is going to be Islamified, right? If, if things don't change dramatically right now, they will be Islamified, and that's it. There's just the, the numbers dictated, the demographics dictated, the attitudes dictated, the politics dictated. So it's too easy, right? So, and, and so we get to be the great, uh, for, you know, foreseers of the way things are going to be. But it's not great. It's not, it's not hard. No, we're only seeing things that are blindingly obvious. That's right. Blindingly obvious. That's a good way of putting it. And uh, so seeing these trends are not so hard. Now, likewise, when, the, when there are things of danger, um, the way I presented that speech is the same way that I would tell somebody who's walking across the street on a busy highway, let's say, or, or Wilshire, for example, and they're just running, with, looking at their iPhone without you know, crossing at a crosswalk and not even be concerned, I would say, you're being an idiot. This is dangerous. You will die. If you don't die the first time, it'll be by blind luck. The second time, you probably will die. Third time, for sure, you're, you're a goner. That's the way it's going to be. And this is the way you and I think of the path that we are going down. We are, we are like those, like that pedestrian that wants to cross the street and just doesn't care to look either to the right or to the left and figures, hey, it's a crosswalk. Therefore, I don't have to look either way. It's that kind of lack of wisdom that we're seeing here. And, and so we're saying appropriately that this person's going to die. Some car is eventually going to hit him. And here we are, the same thing exactly. Europe is gone. It will be gone at the very least, very shortly, especially now that Greece has voted in a, a new, uh, very liberal candidate. A communist. Self-proclaimed. Self yeah, exactly right. And he's gonna, he doesn't like austerity, and, and that's how he got elected. And now, guess what? You know, Greece is just going to further tumble into the abyss. I mean, I, you know this. I know this. I mean, you un, can't miss it. Right. Under what? On what planet? What galaxy could, has this ever worked? That has a communist ideology ever improved an economy, even a socialist one? It's never. It, you just don't have a single example of that. Even you, on a commune, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah, and it has never worked ever. 
But, you know, people like this idea, and they just say, okay, they buy it again and again. And, and the only way to buy it, of course, is to not know anything about history and to never ask themselves just for a moment, has this ever worked before? We're not even asking you to know all history. We're not asking you to, what ha to know what happened in the French Revolution or what happened in, uh, in, in Tsarist Russia or, you know, the history of Africa. We're just asking you to ask the singular question, has a socialist system ever worked? Ever, right? And, and the best they can do is maybe point to Sweden and say, well, Sweden seems like a nice country. But if you, if you knew Sweden before it was socialist, when it was actually a capitalist country, you would say, wow, it's really gone downhill since then. So you're, you're only seeing what, what looks nice, but what looks nice is the vestiges of the capitalism that used to be. That's all. And you're seeing that a little bit here in America. Slowly but surely, they're taking more and more away from each of us. They're imposing more and more regulations. They're making us wonder whether we'll be, we're being watched more and more. And then uh, after a while, we become a banana republic. It'll be just, you know, the crony capitalism, not even that crony com communism, as you'd like to say, and I think that's right. That's the way it's going to be. So danger, Will Robinson, danger is what we're saying. It's, it's happening all around us, and that's what that speech was all about. And it made it so easy, right? It, I, I guess I spoke from the heart, but it's, I really think I'm speaking from the brain. It's not that hard. Just get this out. These are dangerous times. Here are the, here are the things to worry about. Say it. Get it done. And then get out. And he didn't do that. Instead, he gave us platitudes and pointed to particular people that he wanted to showcase as though somehow they were emblematic of his policies and the successes of his policies. Single mothers who weren't single mothers. Yes, exactly. You know, you can always, I mean, I don't even know why they allow this anymore because the anecdotal stories that they, they tell, which is nice to put a face to the idea, but they're just anecdotes. And as a consequence, they can't possibly work. The, the other thing that's so fascinating to me about it, and it's, it's so... Um, sort of at the atomic level of what you did, blows apart the socialism as political uh, science theology, too, for these people. Because you saw the reaction of those people in that control room. You saw the reaction of the email response you get and the way that the listeners responded. And I was one of the listeners. It was stunningly beautiful. It's amazing what happens when a politician does the opposite of what that Greek president-elect does and tell the actual truth based and rooted in facts. Yeah. People yeah. want to hear the truth. Yeah. People want to hear the hard truths. They don't want to hear a, a buzz phrase like Obama loves to say, shared prosperity followed by a some may say, a couple stuttering us, and then a, well, because of shared prosperity, we're going to do dot, 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 right. something completely inane. Right. Because he, the only reason <clears throat> leftists, 90% of them, come to those political conclusions is because of the political philosophical, philosophical uh, teachings that they believe leads to power. It's the uh, don't stop believing, hold on to that feeling uh, yeah. attitude that, that Obama has. And at least don't stop believing. It's like, <laughs> I mean, at least you could say that it's a little bit optimistic, but, but obviously it's empty. And, and it goes without saying that everything Obama says is empty. It's, it's not well thought out. We, we're clear on this. But I, I want to, I mean, one of the things, I think maybe you, you told me about this offline, Ari, and it was an, a very astute point. I meant to bring it up in the Sunday show, but the State of the Union Address, I did some research on the word freedom, freedom. 
And it was mentioned only once. And what, what, how was it mentioned? It was the notion of freedom of gay couples to be able to enjoy the, the, you know, the benefits of America. That was it. But not one word of freedom in, in the true context that we think of it. Like the freedom is the thing that makes us who we are as Americans, right? That's what you want to hear. But instead it's about fairness and uh, doing your fair share, whatever that means, right? And sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. Well, the sacrifice is only in the context of, of uh, you know, you rich people sacrificing your money so you can give it to, to the poor people. It's just Robin Hood politics. Now, that, that, that's just, I just wanted to cover that, and I'm glad we covered that. And Yeah, but the freedom point you're bringing up is yeah. so important because I once told you, it's shocking to me how even Democrats before Obama mentioned the word, used the F word all over their speeches, freedom. Yeah. Reagan is famous for every other word is freedom. With Obama, that's the word we hear the least. Yeah, I, I, freedom. It's like it never even occurs to the guy. No, Free, freedom is a. Uh, I mean, it's not. It's not. Uh, for, yeah, for free for Obama, the word freedom is that like the Janis Joplin song, right? Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. That's that's how he feels about freedom. That um, that we we don't need this freedom. We we need. Stuff, okay. That's what it's all about for him. It's stuff, and and government is the the guarantor of stuff, and the government is the provider. Government is the end all and be all of of how you live your life. Julia, such for example, I, I think Dennis Prager talked about this. He he noted, perhaps very clearly, very plainly, that Julia is not married. She there's no husband in her life. No. No kids necessarily, or if she does no, have kids, kid. you're right, you're right. It's a single parent uh, situation. And, and no one stops to say, hey, you know, maybe that's not the most effective way to, to show as a, a classic, you know, standard citizen. I mean, I, mean, I agree that you can say, look, people are not always going to have a mother and father and a, and a child. And such. Some, some parents don't even have children. Get that. I got that. Some couples don't have children. But, but let's just, if you're going to do that kind of vanilla look, then make it a mom and a dad, and maybe they have two or three children. Okay? That's kind of your standard. Don't you want to make that your standard? And then say, obviously, for other situations, uh, then, you know, it will implement it differently. But that's the standard family. Okay? But, but instead, he holds up the standard, this, this Julia woman, who, of course, is not married and, and does have a child, as you said. And doesn't exist because she's a composite fake of a... Well, of course, no. Android, yeah, no, I understand yeah. that. But, but, but that's the point, I guess. Yes. Because if she did exist, there would be more credibility to using her. But instead, someone concocted this idea, and they purposely said, okay, she will be the standard. That's the, we always talk about this. Standards are everything. And if you don't have standards, you are, uh, you're well on your way to being a liberal. <laughs> okay? It's very easy. It's so easy to be a liberal. That's the, that's the beauty. That's the major advantage they have. Right? Yeah. I mean, in, in wartime, let me, let me make it very clear. In wartime, a smart general chooses his battlefield and the timing and little things that make a huge difference on the battle, right? So, for example, you, your soldiers may have the, a certain kind of shoe that lets them trips around in the mud better than the enemy's soldiers do, right? You're going to win that battle. If it's raining and muddy, yeah. especially. Well, you, you choose to train, and there's yeah. the mud. 
And then you say, men, go in, because you've got the right shoes. You're going to win that battle. Or uh, as uh, I think uh, King David did in one of his battles, he made sure to take the battle in such a way that when he attacked from uphill, which is another advantage, to downhill, it was in the morning such that the people downhill looking up were, were staring at the sun. Guess who won that battle, right? There's many different battles, that you, things you can do. You, you make it easy for yourself that way. So why do I bring this up? The, the, the liberals have a major advantage. They have only to appeal to people's laziness. That's it. That's all they have to do. All they say is, it's all good. Whatever you think, whatever you feel, that's good. Oh, their laziness and their stupidity. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but if you're... Yeah, I guess so. But, but let's not call them stupid. I'm simply saying they're, they're appealing to their sense of anything goes. And that's a very powerful thing where you say, it's, and it's also you're a victim, and it's not your fault. Your, your life is where you are because somebody else put you down. Something like that. Because of choices other people made for you. Right. Julia, when you describe her, the, the image of a leaf drifting down a creek came to mind. A leaf has no choice. It has no freedom. It goes where the water takes it. Yeah. Like Julia. Julia wound up pregnant. She wound up separated. Yes. She wound up unemployed. Never was any of Julia's choices to smoke crack, <laughs> go to the bar that night, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. do that thing in the bar that night in right. the alley behind the bar. Right, right. None of that is ever a, a choice of hers. Well, drugs and sex, which is ultimately, you know, you're appealing to the most uh, banal of banal, no, banal, banal, banal works, of yeah. of uh, of human impulses, right? And saying, "Go for it, go." More, the more, the merrier, and we'll be behind you. In fact, we're regulating your lives entirely. But in that area, you do whatever you want, okay? And and you should feel good about it. And and the way you spell words, and the way we talked about this offline, the, the way you um, even talk, it's it's all legit. It's, everything's legit. Yeah, Ebonics, jive, standard English. It's all good. Yeah, that's right. Someone will understand you. And, of course, the way you dress and even your hygiene to some extent. It's all good. And your citizenship. Don't yeah. worry. Oh, that's we'll right. give good you a point. driver's license. So think of it from a battle standpoint, right? The, the, the advantage that the liberals have on that battlefield is that it's the equivalent of all those advantages I just mentioned. First of all, that you're, you're telling them they don't have to work. And they certainly don't have to work hard, right? That they are victims. Uh, that their uh, base nature and fears are legitimate and reasonable. That's that's what you're appealing to. It's scary stuff. And by contrast, you're t- you're literally telling conservatives, you have to walk uphill. You have to exercise every day. You have to be disciplined. You have to take think a, clearly. Take a haircut. Yes. Work extra hard. You pay your fair share. Okay. You have to look good. You have to shave. You have to have a happy disposition. Uh, you have to um, be a, a good member of your community and not, not government community. I'm talking about just your local neighborhood. Um, you have to think of others. You, uh, you have to call each other Mr. and Mrs. You have to say please. These, these are, you know, if you have to choose between those two, it's, it's, it, I can see why people want to gravitate toward liberalism. 
because, hey, man, they get to say whatever they want. It's intimidating knowing you have to work hard and get up early in the morning. Of course. It's intimidating of course. That. Hey, yeah. you can have this job. You can make all this money. But, you know, you got to be on time. There's no stigma. Also, oh, that's another wonderful thing. But, but let, let's not get there. I, I, I want to talk about how this is emblematic. The, the, the State of the Union speech was emblematic of all those things we just talked about. How, how easy it is, first of all, to come up with an alternative because of the dangers in the, in the, in the world that are facing us and how e easy it is actually to address the, the economy. And then we talked, of course, about how easy it is for the liberal camp. They really have an advantage, and we are constantly having to push back, constantly. We are a constant war with the, the, the bad guys that are coming down the screen in the, in the game um, Asteroids. Space the classic invaders. game. Space Invaders. There you go. Not Asteroids. But asteroids to some extent too, but you're, you're, I meant um, Space Invaders. And, and it doesn't let up. It's a game that never ends. Yeah, and you're, it's row after row, row after row. row. And as soon as you get rid of that one, another row's coming. It doesn't end. Exactly. And that's your job, my, my, my fellow conservative. That's your job. You must constantly be vigilant. Freedom is never free. Free, never take it for granted, and there will always be people telling you that freedom means nothing. Now, here, here's, speaking about freedom is never free, right? I want to get to these other stories we were talking about, and, but they're so related to each other. Um, in uh, 2008, this, just, uh, this article just came from thegatewaypundit.com, an excellent article, and uh, they, they refer to it as a flashback regarding uh, to 2008, when um, in 2008 the Sunni sheikhs in Iraq had warned Obama about his hasty plans for retreat. And these were Sunni sheikhs who ruled the Anbar province and ran militiamen armies on the side of America. Right. Now remember, That's what's interesting yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. So remember that Obama had a tough time uh, because he was getting grilled a little bit for not checking things out in Iraq, right, because he was going to be the candidate. Well, if you're going to speak about Iraq, at least visit once, Right. So do you remember this? Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so he finally went because, you know, more or less he was forced to go there by McCain. And, uh, and this is the conversation they had with him because he said, I'm going to pull out every soldier out of Iraq, which was inanely stupid. I mean, really, there's no excuse for it. And it's, it's very similar to the jaywalker that we were just talking about, right? You're, you're going to die, <laughs> okay? And, and they warned him about it. And, of course, he didn't care. It's not that... He, you and I can discuss whether or not he wanted to destroy Iraq, but it's, it's the difference between intentionally driving your car into the person while you're drunk driving or negligently, recklessly driving your car and hitting that same person. The person is dead anyway, okay? It's, it doesn't matter what your intent was. And let's assume for the sake of discussion that he was merely wildly reckless, wildly reckless, then... Um, it shows, it's emblematic of his utter disdain for freedom because it's the only way you could have freedom. You have to fight for freedom. And it kind of dovetails to what we talked about before. So, and, and now, uh, I get upset about this because I remember in 2011, that's when we left Iraq, right? The end of 2011? August of 2011. That's right, August, yeah. And I remember within a month, bad things started happening. Uh, there were many more roadside bombs. Uh, suddenly, 40 people were being killed instead of two. And also, that was the very month chemical weapons were used in Syria, obliterating that. Yeah, yeah, but let me get to that. Let me get to that. 
I'm simply, I'm talking about Iraq now. I'm simply saying that it was 40, now it's all of a sudden it's two. Uh, sorry, it was two and now it's all of a sudden it's 40. It's creeping up. And, and many other soldiers are dying, and, he, and including American soldiers. And I remember writing to one of my liberal friends, and I said, Obama has blood on his hands. This is so outrageous what he did by pulling out every single man. What does he expect is going to happen? And here we have it. And the response I got back from, from this liberal friend was that uh, I'm, I'm being crazy, I'm, I, everything's going to work out, and uh, this is a hiccup, and you're not seeing the, the pattern, and it's, it, there's no great in, increase in, in the killings, as you may think. And then, of course, less than a year later, uh, we start seeing the rise of all sorts of terrorist activities, and then, of course, ISIS in early t 2014. Actually, they were there before, but nevertheless, you see a real impact from ISIS in early 2014. Um, tell me he doesn't have blood on his hands now, right? I mean, it, it, it's, so, it's so clear. No, he doesn't have blood on his hands. His hands are completely soaked in blood. It's okay. not just, it's not spat. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I, I know. I think it's an important I, distinction. I agree with you, but I'm using the phrase blood on, on his hands in, in a dramatic way as well. Of course he does. It's, he's, he's swimming in blood. I'll, I'll take you that far. And, and how he goes to sleep at night uh, is beyond me, just be told, utterly beyond me. Yeah, this is uh, such a contemptible act that he did. And to say, to say nothing of the signal that he sends to all of our allies for future purposes, whenever we are going to assist him in the future, and we say, don't worry, we have your back, okay, which, which means nothing. But, but I digress. That's, that's the main thing. So now we have another interesting thing, and everything about it is consistent with uh, what we were talking about before. Okay, it turns out Yemen, as you know, is uh, going into a deep recess of violence, okay, just like uh, everyone expected it to. But this, this was supposed to be the success story, remember, in, the, um, in his great strategy speech that he spoke about, I think about a year ago. This was going to be a great. And Yemen and Somalia, I, we, all, we all looked at each other, right? And we said, yeah. uh, did, was there something I missed? Did, was there a great... Uh, Hashtag facepalm. That's right. Like, well, I'm I just like utter bewilderment. I, I just I had no idea what he was talking about. Yemen? I mean, he might as well have said Nebraska. You're right. Nebraska has been tamed. You know, I, okay. Yeah, it's true. There's no... But, but Yemen, of course, I mean, I guess it's not a perfect analogy, but no one, there was no invasion of Yemen or anything else like that. Yeah, I guess there was some American involvement in it, but to take credit for that, bizarre. Anyway, Yemen's collapsing as we speak, right? And I think they already forced the, the leader to resign, and, and they're already telling the embassy people, They've get out. They've expelled the embassy. Basically, okay. diplomatic relations don't exist. Yeah, you're, you're on your own. And, and get the hell out of it. Yeah, and what's important about this, just on background, is that... This is a third world place, but there was a large American presence docking our ships there. That's where the USS Cole was attacked. Yeah. So it was a place where America enjoyed a level of hegemony larger than in other places within the Middle East. You know, there was, yeah, there was right. our, our, our military might was in and out of the capital there regularly, hence yeah. a certain sense of stability that Obama touted. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, the point is that here we... we we'd <laughs> There's new information that's coming out that the, uh, and let me see if I can quote directly from this. Um, let's see, hold on. 
Yeah, here it is. The New York Times discovers that Yemen's death to America Houthi rebels are moderates. I suppose they meant to put that in quotes, and possible U.S. partners. So these these people who are supposed to be helping us are also saying death to America. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, but the, something might be lost in translation. Yeah. Because you know, when they say death to America in Arabic, it doesn't always mean death to America, according to the New York Times. Oh, I see. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm helping right. them out here. That's right. I, I guess like, like Alu Akbar doesn't mean, you know, uh, <laughs> that thanks be to Allah and such, just right. before you do these things. Maybe, maybe somebody was sneezing, you know, at the time. Like we say, God bless you, right? They, they're just saying Allah Akbar. Just just because somebody just sneezed, and then they do the random shooting. Oh, Achu Akbar, yeah, that's what it was. Achu Akbar. As long as you're clear on this. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I digress. Speaking about Alu Akbar, it turns out, and I don't know why this is not getting more play, but the Air Asia flight that was uh, that was downed and such like that, and you and I, you and I knew something funny was going on when it was clear that they had um, people were still strapped in in their seatbelts. Uh, found in their in their seats, you know, uh, under the sea, something was odd. So it, that suggested only one thing: that there was a massive explosion. It was a sudden death for all these people, because generally speaking, if it is a descent like that, eventually they land and eventually they take off their seatbelts. Maybe they can't get out of the plane. Maybe it's they're going to drown anyway. But at least they're trying. Yeah, the whole, if you remember your pre-flight briefing from commercial flight, yes. you know, here's your raft, here's the exit, there's the slide, all that yeah, kind there, of stuff. Yeah, there'd be some effort. Yeah, some but effort. But instead, it, it, it didn't happen that way. So we now know from the voice box that the last thing before a major explosion was the words, Alu Akbar. Okay? Bless be Allah, right? That's what it means. And um, it's clearly a terrorist attack. Right? And, but why are we hearing this, Ari? Why do you think this is happening? Is this, is this because Obama is purposely putting a media blitz on, on uh, squashing this? Uh, I, well, I, you know, the, going back to, like, Lois Lerner, the, the question remained, what did Obama know and when did he know it? And I always answered, it's irrelevant. Someone like Lois Lerner knew exactly what he would have wanted because she wanted the same thing, and she did what all those people agree on. So... Whether there's a media kibosh on it or not is irrelevant. People at the New York Times don't report this because to them it's not news. Yeah, I see. I see. I, I guess. I guess that's fair. Well, you, you don't talk about the things you don't want to talk about, I suppose, and that's and, and and that's another advantage of the liberals, right? They can they really just pick and choose what they want to talk about. They decide what the news is. I guess you know why don't they even ask the question, Ari? Why? I I, I realize now. That, uh, I don't know. You're wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. I guess the answer is that it's so obvious. You know, we, this is what liberals do. Why, why am I surprised? Why? And and you and I have to call it out. And and it's a fact. That's that's why it happened. That's how it happened. It was ext- as, as Islamic extremist violence that blew that that uh, Islamic terror that blew that uh, that airplane up. Plain and simple. But but how they don't uh, how they don't showcase that, uh, and how we conservatives, for that matter, are not showcasing. We I guess we need to. That's that's really the bottom line, right? Because that's the space invaders game that we, we're talking about, day in and day out. We we not only have to shoot them down, but we also have to expose them for the lies that they are telling. And I guess we have to shoot down their lies too. My friends, 
It's a concerning day for us all, and we live in very troubled times. Yes, interesting times, but very troubled as a result. But we'll get past this. I guess we'll just have to wait a year and a half from now. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you next week. Carries us all